in Genesis. And I was just thinking while, while we were sitting there and, and singing and we heard about these people, these families that are in, in mourning and difficulties and thinking about the things that are happening in our, in our country. We think about um, whatever's going on in your life. Why would you care about a Middle Eastern sheik who lived 2,500, nah, more than that, um, 4,100 years ago in 2000 B.C.? Why, why would his story be of interest to you? Why am I standing here telling you about Abraham? What is it about him that makes it worth our listening to in a time and a, and a day like this? And, and the answer to that is this. That's not why we're here. We're not here to know about Abraham. We're here to know about Abraham's God. And he's the God, same God that we have. And it says about Abraham in the scripture that he was the friend of God. Is that awesome? I want to be God's friend. I want to be God's friend. I know what a friend we have in Jesus, but I mean, I want to want to be God's friend, someone that he can depend on and look to. Wouldn't you like to be a friend of God? Yes. Let's read the passage that we're going to look at this morning. It's the first nine verses of chapter 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. And so you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So Abraham went forth as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. Now Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his nephew, all their possessions which they had accumulated, and the persons which they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. Thus they came to the land of Canaan. Abram passed through the land as far as the site of Shechem to the oak of Moreh. Now the Canaanite was then in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your descendants I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. Then he proceeded from there to the mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, continuing towards the Negev. In this passage of Scripture, I want, I want, you to, I want to point out that we talk about it being the call of Abraham. God speaks first in this passage. The first words in the account of the call of Abraham are the words not of Abraham, but of God. And if you'll notice, if you go read down through there, no place in those nine verses that I read did Abraham even speak. God did all the speaking. Abraham doesn't actually say anything or there's nothing quoted from Abraham until the 11th verse. And you know what about those, the, that verse is incredible? 
The first thing we learn about Abraham, the father of the faithful, the first words out of his mouth, Abraham, the friend of God, the first thing he says in the Bible, he lied. He told, us, he told a story. He told a lie. He, he said, well, actually, he didn't tell the lie. He told Sarai to tell the lie. He said, Sarah, tell Pharaoh that you are my sister. So as you look at the passage, God acts first. God's the first one to act in this. He's the first one to speak in this. In verse 2, he says, I will, I will show you. He says, I will make you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. Seven times in the first seven verses, God speaks to Abraham and says, I will. I will. I will. Seven times the words of God, I will do it. And so that's why I say to you that this verse, this passage is not about Abram or Abraham, but it's about Abraham's God. And so then the question becomes, we know who God is and we know why we should pay attention to God, but why Abraham? And this, this kind of blows you away. As I've already pointed out, Abraham wasn't necessarily a person of the greatest character. And if we keep looking through the, the passage that in Genesis about Abraham, he, he had a lot of things that... Uh, they weren't the greatest things in the world. But the reason that we're reading about Abraham is because God chose Abraham. It was the sovereignty of God that called out this man from Mesopotamia and called him to follow him. God chose Abraham. God said, I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will... I will bless you. It's the same God who chose Shem of all the sons of Noah. He chose Shem to bless him. And it says in Genesis that God chose to bless the Shemites. It's the same God who chose to bless Jacob over Esau. Now I know some of you have trouble with that. I understand that. But Paul says the reason that he chose Jacob over Esau is that God loved Jacob and he didn't love Esau. That's incredible, isn't it? But that's what the Bible says. God chose Jacob. Now, do you know what the word Jacob was for? You know why they called him Jacob? He was a grabber. And he spent his whole life grabbing. He, he wasn't the best person in the world. But God chose Jacob. And God blessed Israel because of Jacob. And what we need to understand, just simply put, is, is, is God has the right to do that. God has the right to choose whom he will. He is sovereign. And if we have a problem with the sovereignty of God, you need to deal with that. But the problem is, God is sovereign. He does what he wants. He's the sovereign God. And so now in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, he speaks to Abraham and he says, Abraham, we, we learn in Hebrews that God speaks in a lot of different ways, many diverse ways God speaks. 
in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is preaching, and he says that the way God spoke to Abraham back in Mesopotamia was through his glory. It says Abraham, I mean, yeah, Abraham saw the glory of God. Well, no wonder he got up from where he was and left. He saw God's glory. And, and, and when God called him, God called him to be separated. He said, I want you to get up from where you are, and I want you to go where I'll show you. He didn't tell him where he was going. He didn't tell him what he was going to do when he got there. He just called him and told him to get up and to go. And Abraham got up and he went. And when God called me to the pastor, to the ministry, he didn't tell me where I was going. He said to me in a voice, I wouldn't describe it as the glory of God, not as I read the things that I hear the glory of God. But folks, I want you to know it was a voice. And it spoke to me as loud. No, it spoke to me louder than any of you have ever talked to me. I knew that it was the voice of God. And he said, I want you to get up from here and I want you to go train for ministry. He didn't even tell me what I was going to do. He just told me to get up and go. Didn't even tell me exactly where to go. He told me to get up and to go. And I came home at lunch and I told Jennifer what had happened. Bless her heart. I, you know, I love that woman to death. She has been as faithful as a person could be. You know what she said? Well, when are we leaving? Amen. When are we leaving? <laughs> And so we did. We got up. He didn't tell me where I would end up, just to get up from where I was and to go. And so we got up and we went. But God calls you as well. God has chosen to call you. He's chosen to speak to you. Sometimes that call comes from other people. Sometimes that call comes in a moment like I described. Sometimes it comes in the glory of God as, as Stephen re replies for, for um, Abraham. But it always comes. And he calls you to separate. Sometimes it's a physical separation to go away. Sometimes it's just, I need you to separate from those people. Sometimes it's just, I need you to be different. I, want to, I need you to have a different attitude. I need you to have different habits. But he'll tell you to go. And when he tells you to go, he says, I will show you where to go. But he doesn't tell you ahead of time where it is he's going to send you. He says, get up and go with me, and I will show you where you're going to go. He didn't tell him where the land was. He didn't promise to give him the land at that point. In verse 7, after Abraham was there, he did promise that he would give the land to Abraham and to his descendants. But God gave him in the beginning a promise. You go with me and I will go with you. 
And that was enough for Abraham. Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed by going out to a place which he was to receive for an inheritance. But he went out not knowing where he was going. Going, not knowing where he was going. As far as we can tell, there, there's no description, there's no position, there's, there's not even a location. But for Abraham, knowing that God was going to be there, it was enough. He wanted to be where God was. And like Paul, you know, Paul says, because I know whom I have believed, and that he is able to provide for me, to give to me those things that he has promised. You're here this morning because God's called you. I don't know how he called you. Some of you, he called a salvation. He called you out of all kinds of different uh, backgrounds, all kinds of different situations. He called you to come to him for that salvation. Uh, some of you he may have called to, to a different lifestyle. Maybe sometimes at some point God calls you to leave a life of no fruit and come into a life where you pro provide fruit or you, you, you give fruit to the kingdom of God. But he calls us. He calls us to separate from everything else and walk with him. Did you know that's what the word holy means? The Bible says, God calls us to be holy. You are to be holy as he is holy. The word holy means to separate. It means that when God calls us to him, he calls us to separate from the world and be called out to him and to walk with him. But he doesn't, he, 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 when, he, when he called Abraham, he didn't tell him where he was going, but he told him that he wanted to bless him. I will bless you, he says. And then not only that, he says, I will bless others through you. In verse 2, verses 3 that, that we read, the theme is, is, is blessing. He says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I will bless those who bless you. And the one who curses you, I will curse. He says, I will make you a blessing. You know, go into the desert. Walk into the sand, take what you own, and take those who are with you. He took, as far as we know, his only family was a wife and a nephew. Those are the only ones that are mentioned. He had no child. He had no heir. You know, Sarah was 65 years old, so he probably didn't expect to have an heir. But he says, get up and go, and I will bless you. I will give you a personal blessing. I will make you a blessing. And, and, and you look at that and you realize that it's not just that he's going to bless them, but he's going to make him a blessing. He'll be a blessing to others. Second Timothy chapter 2, Paul says, If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Speaking of God. If we're faithless, God remains faithful, for he cannot 
deny himself. And, and think of it. He told Abraham that he was going to bless him and his descendants. And, and as we'll see, uh, as we keep looking at the passages in Genesis, as we'll see, Abraham was faithless at times. But did God quit blessing? No. He continued to bless him. Isaac, his son, was weak-willed. He wasn't as faithful and as forceful even as his father had been. But God continued to bless him. Jacob was a crook, as we already pointed out. And God blessed him. <coughs> David was an adulterer and a murderer. And God blessed him. Because God was always faithful. And he always brought them back. And he always helped them to repent and come back to what God wanted to be. And the first time that Abe gets a chance to be faithful, he blows it. But God kept his promise to him. That's, so, so what I want you to see is that this isn't about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. It's about God. And God is faithful. He says to Abraham, I will make your name great. Now, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, okay? But, but uh, our names are Tom and Dick and Harry and Bill and Roger, uh, you know. Those are the things that we call them. There's nothing great about those names. But one of the most common names, one of the most honored names in the world among Arabs, among Jews, among Muslims, among Christians, one of the most honored names in the world is Abraham. Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, we kind of skipped over that, that passage. Um, in chapter 11 and verse 4, the people in the world said, Come and let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. And you know, we, didn't, we didn't study this last week or, or at all. But that's what they did. They built this tower, tower to make a name for themselves. It, it's, the, it's the first instance in Scripture of what we would call humanism that says, I will do it. I'm powerful enough. I can do what it is that, that I need to do, that I want to do. And so they attempted it. And at the end of chapter 11, what happened? God scattered them. He says, We'll do this, and we'll be strong, and we won't be scattered. And then God scattered them. And then in chapter 12, God takes a man who is obedient and scattered him. And made his name for him. It's about God. It's about God and the God that we serve. And he is faithful. And he will and, and he will bless his. Then he says 
to Abraham, you will be a blessing. And, and the way that's written in Hebrew, it, it could be translated instead. It could be translated not as a statement, but as a command. Instead of saying, you will be a blessing, it may be a command that says, you go be a blessing. You go be a blessing. And then I will bless those that you bless. And I will curse those that curse you. And, and excuse me, just, just, a, just a second as we just kind of take a look down through history. I will bless those that bless you and curse those who curse you. You begin reading in Genesis, it begins right away. Lot, who was his nephew, whenever he was with Abraham, he was blessed. When he left Abraham, he got in trouble, big time. Joseph, one of his descendants, Joseph, we're going to read about him in Genesis, later chapters of Genesis. Joseph, taken as a captive to Egypt. Potiphar saw him, bought him, came into Potiphar's house. And while Joseph was a member of Potiphar's house, Potiphar was blessed beyond measure because he was being blessed. He was blessing Joseph. Potiphar's home, a pagan house, was blessed when it was associated with Abraham and his descendants. Whoever curses you, he says, I will curse, meaning I will consider them vile or worthless. And there's a whole list of empires and people who have been cursed by God because of their treatment of Abraham and his descendants. The Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Edomites, the Amalekites, the Moabites. You know, Alexander the Great had a great empire. Now, you don't read about this in any history book. Do you know what the beginning of the downfall of the Greek empire was? It was when Antioch Epiphanes, a Greek ruler, went into the Holy of Holies and sacrificed a hog in the Holy of Holies in the Jewish temple and began the downfall of the Greek empire. Romans had a great empire until 70 AD when they destroyed Jerusalem. And from then on, you can begin to see the decline of the Roman Empire. I just read a book about Poland, or read into a book about Poland. I finally gave it up. You know, Poland was a great nation. Do you know that? Until the late 1500s, 1500s and 1600s, when they began to try to rid themselves of the Jews. And then Poland became a battlefield. A battlefield between Russia and Germany. It sort of still remains a battlefield. I just finished reading a history of Spain. Spain was a great nation. A great nation. 
until the Inquisition, when they begin to take all those who were Jewish and sacrifice them, kill them. And the Spanish Empire went, bloop, became just another nation. Our greatest, our greatest ally in the world as Americans, of course, it's the country we had our first war with, the English. But they had a worldwide, they, they, they had a <coughs> worldwide empire. Their, their thing was the sun never sets on the English empire. And then they broke faith with Israel and with the Jews, with the Palestinian mandate and the Balfour Declaration. And today the sun does set on the English Empire. And, and I just, you know, you, you can look back at those things and you can say, Look, look at how this took place. What I'm not saying is that you can look at things now and say this is what will happen. But it's what did happen. When God made a covenant with a people, he kept it. He was faithful. And he remains faithful. Where God made a qualified covenant, it was gone. But where God made an unqualified covenant, it remains. And in verse 3, he says, And in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And in you. Theologians tell us that this is the second place in Scripture where God foretells the gospel. The first is in Genesis 3, verse 15, where he promises a deliverer for the seed of the woman, for, the, for, for, for mankind, for humankind, through the seed of the woman. And now the second promise, that through Abraham's descendants, all the world would be blessed. Now, Here's why theologians say that. Because they've also read Galatians. Re listen to Galatians 3, verse 8. The scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. If I was Pentecostal, Dave, I'd say, could I get an amen? Could I get a praise God? You know, he is good. He is faithful. Revelation 5, 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, Men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So in Genesis, we see the promise. In, in uh, Galatians, we see the reference to what the promise meant. 
And in, Galatia, in Revelation, we see the result. A new song. The one who is slain, purchased with his blood, all the peoples of the world. Praise God. What, what a blessing Amen. it is. We have a blessed and a blessing God. And I, I just got to say, I, I want you to see that this passage, 4,000 years old, is not a message about Abraham. It's a message about Abraham's God. And I said, I want to be a friend of God. I want to give my life to something like that. Let me ask you a question. When, when, when Jennifer and I left, you know, I can, I can remember the day we drove out and headed to Fort Worth. I, you know, I can remember Jennifer like it happened yesterday. We had an old 57 Chevrolet pickup that I'd bought from one of my brother's friends. And uh, we hooked it up to an Easy Hall trailer. Do you all remember Easy Hall? Easy Hall was the one that had the elephant on it, okay? And they were a little bit cheaper than U-Haul. And when you're going to seminary, you take the cheapest way you can. And we hooked it up, and we uh, filled, filled it with the stuff we could take. Um, my uncle gave us a couch to take. And uh, bless, bless him for doing that, because then he came over and helped me load the trailer. Or we'd have never got it all in there. And we pulled out 437 Parkland Drive, Aztec, New Mexico, out of my parents' driveway and headed to Fort Worth. Me in the pickup and Jennifer following me in our car. The only thing of value we had was that car. But you know what? I bet nobody besides Jennifer and I remember that. It was just another day. It was just another day in the life. It was just another day in, in the life of all the people around. What did it look like when Abraham left? Nothing. It was just a normal day. The sun came up. Abraham gathered his family and they walked off into the desert. And some of the people stood there and said, that guy's nuts. But Abraham didn't care what they said. Because he knew one thing for sure. He was going there with God. And if he went there with God, he was in the right place. What does it look like for you when you make a choice to do something for God? What does it look like? Well, it looks like a committee voted me in, or it looks like I was asked to do something, or it looks like something just happened and and, and so here I am doing that. And, and that's what it looks like. With Abraham, there, you know, there, there, was no, there was no marching band. There was no recognition. There was no honor that we know of. The Bible doesn't tell us anything about his leaving. And when he got where he was going, there was no reception. As we're going to look at next, when he got to the land that God had promised him, 
You know what he found? He found a famine. He found a famine. Scripture says there was famine in the land. But God knew that 4,000 years later, you and I would still be talking about that day. Because God keeps his promise. Folks, I just want you to know that that's my only hope. Because as I am faithless, God is faithful. Paul says, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. That's my hope. That he has made me a new creature in Jesus Christ. He says that to the one that comes to me, in no way would I cast him out. That's my hope. That's my hope. Now listen to me very carefully. Don't misinterpret what I'm about to say. Religion is people who believe certain truths about God. But the Bible calls that kind of faith dead. That's dead faith. There's another faith that believes not truths about God, but believes God. Believes God. It's through that kind of faith in Jesus Christ that we see God working. And it's that kind of faith that is powerful and energetic. And it's that kind of faith willing to trust everything to God that brings us to salvation and brings us to God's blessing. I, I could go on talking about God's blessings from now until um, they call us to dinner. But I just want you to know that's this God that I serve and that you can serve who is faithful even when I'm faithless. Do you serve him? Do you God? Do you Father? There's an old story about a grandfather who said to his grandson, put your boots on. Come go with me. Grandson said, where are we going? Granddad walked out of the house, got in his pickup truck and left. And the little boy was standing there looking. When he came home, he says, Granddad, why did you go without me? Why didn't you take me? He says, because you asked me where I was going. If you really would have wanted to go with me, you would have said, okay, granddad, let's go. Where are we going? I got to tell you, we're an awful lot like that with God. 
God says, come on, let's go. And our response is, where are we going? And I'll decide. i got to be honest with you. If I would have known everywhere that we went when we left and all the stuff that we were going to go through, some of it has been the greatest things that ever happened, but some of it was pretty tough stuff. But I would still go on this side. I would still go. Will you go with God? Will you walk with God? Will you believe in God? Not things about God, but will you believe in God? 